There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Welcome to No Mere Mortals Cover to Cover series. The Cover to Cover series is a chronological journey through the moments in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation centered on the main character of Jesus Christ. In 2020, the Lord directed the start of the Cover to Cover series that originally began as weekly installments for Sunday morning youth teachings at a local church. In 2023, the Cover to Cover series will move to being a podcast series and Lord willing will continue to be weekly installments. God, we thank you for this time in your word. And Lord, just as was prayed earlier, I I do pray that right now, anything that would distract us from experiencing you, God, that your spirit would just so fill this room that it would push those things aside. That God, as we come to you this morning, we would come with open minds, open heart to experience you by your word through your spirit in your son's name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So we've been kind of jumping around, guys, these last couple weeks. We kind of took somewhat of a break, but really uh, it, it all jumped out of looking at this moment with this prophet named Balaam, really this, this pagan witch doctor. And we saw over the last couple weeks just how uh, his eyes were opened and the prophecies that he saw. And so now when we're picking back up, uh, when you come to the end of chapter 24, it says, so Balaam rose and departed and returned to his place. Balak also went his way. And again, as, as we, we've looked at this several times, uh, what we saw is in that moment that, that Balaam was powerless, as asked by Balak, to curse God's people. And that as Balaam stood on this mountaintop, looking down at the nation of Israel, seeing the very image of the cross before him, it brought him to a place where he realized by, by what he was looking at, by the faithfulness of God, he could not, though he tried, bring any external curse against the people of Israel. And as chapter 24 ends, it says that he went one way and Balak went another. Now look there in verse or chapter 25, it says, Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Guys, we just took a huge turn. I, 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 want to, I know we just got to verse 1, but let's just kind of back up for just a second and imagine what was just happening. So here's Balaam, asked by Balak to curse God's people, to bring a curse upon him, and as he is calling down and trying to, with all his, his incantations, curse them, God is telling him, you got nothing against my people. If you guys remember, God actually says back to Balaam, by the image of the cross, I see no iniquity in Jacob. So just know that as, as God is looking down on his people, faithful to his word, here's Balaam trying, and the next thing we see, after God's promises were poured out over these people, God's faithfulness that he has said about who he calls them to be, you get to the very next chapter, and what you read is, the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Just for imagery, I I want you guys to just, again, if you guys have been going with us, if we've been making our way through scripture, think about that moment in Exodus, that they've come through the Red Sea, come to the mount where God is, and as Moses goes up in the mountain, what happened? the whole incident with the golden calf. Just kind of look at some of these things of the pattern of man's character. It says, they invited the people to sacrifice, to the sacrifice of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord 
aroused against Israel. And you just ask yourself, how, how did we get here? How did this happen? We just read chapter after chapter of God saying, you cannot curse them. They are my people protected by my word, by who I've called them to be. And by the very next chapter, they're committing harlotry and worshiping another God. And just even, where did this come from? Well, we're going to find out by the time we get to chapter 31. That again, we, we said that Balaam went his way by the end. Scripture says Balaam went his way. Balak went his way. And what it seems to have happened, and as Balaam starts to walk away, he goes, I really want to get paid. I really want that money. And so chapter 31 actually tells us, that it says, look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. So Balaam starts to turn away. He's walking away, realizing he was powerless against Yahweh. Nothing he could do. And he turns and he goes, man, I, I really, I was promised I could have houses full of gold. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 gives us this warning. But those whose desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. See, Balaam, filled with, with greed and selfish desire, is moved to a realization. He's moved to the realization that he's completely unable to bring a curse down upon Yahweh's people. And in seeing God's powerful consistency, the powerful consistency of the word of the one true God, he also realized something about God being consistent to his word. Is that he realized that he could have the people themselves bring a curse on themselves if they entered into that same selfish greediness that he had. Jesus was saying, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For, e for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and your flesh. Hate to break it to you guys, the lie of this world is just treat yourself. Love yourself. Scripture makes it clear, to love yourself equals to hate God. There is no two ways about that. You cannot serve two masters, because you will love the one and hate the other. To self-love, to self-worship, to self-elevate is to say those words that has been spoken by the enemy, I will be like the Most High. I will sit on that throne. Now, I want to make something incredibly clear, because something, this world does this weird, twisted thing, that to say that when we say don't love yourself, that I'm somehow making a statement that you have no value, that you're worthless. There's a song, I don't agree with all the lyrics, but there's a song out there that says, when I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. I want everyone in this room to know this. I have just told you by scripture, you cannot love yourself and love God. To love yourself is to hate God, but I want everyone in this room to understand that God has placed the value and worth of you with that of his son, that he came and died to pay it all for each and every one of you. Your value was set 
at the death of Jesus on the cross. That immeasurable value of God saying, I will step down from my heavenly realm. Let men spit on me, mock me, nail me to a cross, all so that he could have a relationship with you. That is your value. That is your worth. You can look to the cross to see that. To, to, to find your evaluation in anything else is less than. Please understand what I'm saying. You cannot love yourself as much as God loves you. As we see this moment here with these people and we ask ourselves, how did this happen? Why? So understand that this is not even a new tactic. That the enemy brings this up. That here they are, the guy 40 years going through the desert. Victory after victory after giant king. Here they come and God is pronouncing, pagan witch doctor, you got nothing. You can't touch my people. And here we see this failure and go, how, well, how did things like this happen? Truth is, it's, it's no different than anything or any tactic that the enemy has ever used. Again, we see this great victory in the nation of Israel and then we, we get this moment, this moment of intense temptation that unfortunately they failed in. But to look to this pattern would be no different to see that when Jesus was baptized and then led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, like again, he is fully submitting to the will of God and led by the Spirit, and that's when the enemy shows up for his temptation. That's when the enemy shows up, when he has been baptized, led by the Spirit. He's doing what God has called him to do. He's having that intimate fasting time with God. Again, sometimes we, we see, like, I mean, would there be any more if we try and, in our mind, do this, like, spiritual valueness of, like, hey, what's more spirit? Go, he's been baptized, led of the Spirit. He's fasting. Oh, man, he should be. And that's when the enemy shows up. That's when the enemy shows up. The enemy shows up. And what was his first t- temptation? Love yourself. Treat yourself. Turn those rocks into stone. Turn those rocks into bread is what he said. He says, what's so wrong with that? You have biological needs. You have biological urges. What's wrong with a little bit of satisfaction? And Jesus responds, quoting his most favorite book, the book of Deuteronomy. Matthew chapter 4. Then when Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Biological need has set in. If you guys get into this, this is, I know we're not in Matthew, but when you guys get into that and you realize even the day counting, that they say when someone's fasting for so long, that basically you get to a point where you stop being hungry, and when they get to about day 40, the reason the hunger's kicked in is because you're dying. Your body has started to eat itself. There is a biological need. So no one is doubting at this moment the biological need, but what does Satan show up and say? You have a biological need and urge. Love yourself. Treat yourself. Now when this tempter came to him, he said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he, Jesus, answered and says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Guys, God's word is full of promises that the enemy cannot take away any more than that pagan witch doctor could curse God's children. But you have a choice. Your choice is to live by every word from God or to forfeit those promises for the counterfeit deals of the devil. 
that pleasurably taste like Hawaiian sweet rolls, but then will drop like a rock in your gut. Verse 4 of Numbers 25, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to the Baal, to Baal of Peor. Again, I, I, I know we've talked about this before. And I don't want to overemphasize or overpush, but I want this reality to set in. I said to go back thinking of the golden calf incident. There's Moses on the mountain talking with God, receiving instructions that the people say, oh, we're, we'll do everything you say. And after 40 days, just 40 days, they go and make an idol, breaking the first command, have no other gods before me. They, they break one. And then it says that they got up and started to play around. That they started to worship this idol through these sexual practices and they're just fooling around, just playing around. Guys, please, again, so really understand this. To engage in any sexual practices outside of God's design for those, within that marriage design that he established from the beginning, it is not just playing around. It is idol worship. And if you've gone with this to understand what that is, is that behind every one of these false images is some demonic force who is looking to receive the worship. So what others may think is just fooling around in the backseat of a car, in that late night when nobody sees, in that dark room, you are engaged, though may not be thinking it, you are engaged in the ritual practice of demonic worship, period. It's sort of, there's a comedian out there. He's got one of these joke setups that's perfect. And he he makes this kind of comparison. If you guys saw someone who's wearing a police cap, police uniform, maybe he's even got a little whacking stick on his side and he's got his boots and he's walking down the street. And then you saw someone getting mugged and you ran up and said, officer, officer. And he looked at you and said, what, just because I'm dressed like this, you think I'm an officer? Okay, well, you may not be an officer, but you're wearing the uniform. Some of you may hear this message and go, what, just because I'm doing these acts? You may not be engaging in personal demonic worship, but you're wearing the uniform. We look at this this mention of these judges here, and it just kind of makes my, my mind jump to the role of the judges by the time we get to the book of the judges, those who are called to carry out God's judgment. But within that, don't miss a beautiful statement here. That God's wrath was turned away by the raising up and hanging of the offender before the Lord. That God says when you raise up the offense before him, as if to raise that offender up on a pole, he says, when I see that, my wrath has turned away. Just as in the book of John we're told, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
verse 6 of Numbers 25. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren, a Midianite woman, in the sight of Moses, in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So here it is, the, the Midianites, by the counsel of Baal, figure out, okay, God's not going to curse them, but if you send your women in and say, hey, how about this crazy idea? You guys worship our God. Oh, that sounds kind of crazy. Oh, oh, wait, but that means you get to sleep with us. Hmm. Well, they didn't take too long. We got one verse over, so they engaged right into So these people are engaged in this sexual demonic worship, marrying themselves to Baal, and God's wrath breaks out in a plague, and the people are heartbroken. They are surrounding the tabernacle, and it says that they are weeping. They are praying for God's deliverance from this plague and from this blight that has taken place. And in that, we read that a man takes one of these ladies by the hand, walks up and presents a Midianite woman and says, hey, I know you guys are sad and all, but check out this girl who wants to sleep with me. And it says that this happened right at the tabernacle of meeting. Verse seven. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. You know what? This is so egregious that God intentionally is being vague here, but you're all mature, hopefully enough in this room to understand that if what we were just told that this man went into with the act that they're doing and that he took a javelin, chucks it, and it makes it into the man and into the woman, what was going on? What was going on and where was it happening? Understand who Phineas also is by First Chronicles chapter 9. First Chronicles chapter 9, verse 19, 20 says, The gatekeepers of the tabernacle, their fathers, had been keepers of the entrance of the camp of the Lord. And Phineas, the son of Eliezer, had been the officer over them in time past. The Lord was with him. So Phineas, the one who threw the javelin, his role was gatekeeper to the tabernacle. This man of Israel took this Midianite woman to where everyone is crying out and praying to God for the deliverance and he engages in that very worshiping act there at the doorway of the tabernacle and Phineas takes that javelin and runs it through. What is happening here? The indignity, the, the, the pride, they are shoving their sexual activities in people's faces. Why do you, why do you care what happens in someone's bedroom, because it didn't stay in the bedroom. It never was. It never was the intention. That always when this pride and self-worship kicks in, they'll walk right up to the people who would say this is against God's way and are praying for the plague to be stopped and they will shove it right in their face. I find it so ironic, so sad, that those who would say this is what God says that every sin is equal of death, that the wages of sin is death, that it is not by anyone's moral ability to enter into heaven, but by grace through faith only, and that we are all sinners deserving of death. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's standard, and it is by grace alone. And yet to call out sin, that makes you the bad guy. That makes you the bigot. That makes you small minded. 
You mean like the person who says, hey, I, I don't agree with your life choices. I don't agree with your act. In fact, God's word speaks against that. But can I tell you, he loves you. He died for you. And that your worth is the same of mine because it was said at the cross. Oh, Small-minded bigot. I mean, it's almost like you would have said, you know what? I don't agree with you. I don't agree with your choice. I don't believe what you believe. In fact, what you believe makes you stupid and ignorant. And you're so stupid and ignorant that what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that I destroy your livelihood. I want to make sure that maybe you don't have kids. In fact, I wish you weren't on this planet. You tell me which one of those is the aggressive bigot. As these people crying out and praying for this plague to stop. It says, so the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. Now, I got to go here real quick. Again, just seems like it comes up every now and then. For our keyboard atheist sniper friends, we've got a contradiction here. See, it, here in Numbers, it says 24,000. But in Corinthians, in the book of Corinthians, it says 23,000. Clearly, all of the Bible is wrong because it says one twenty-four thousand and one twenty-three thousand, guys. Again, I, I don't know what has happened, but there's this idea that has become so pervasive in this day that somehow asking a question is like a shot across the bow that should destroy all of your worldview. Except there, are, the problem here is that there's actually some very reasonable answers to this question. I think it's a good question. I'll, I'll say this, guys. Truth is not afraid to be examined. Let's go back to someone like. I don't know. Unfortunately, a guy who's taken the title of Doubting Thomas, I think he gets a bum rap, who says, I'm not going to believe it until I touch his hands and touch his side. You know what Jesus said? He said, you stupid idiot. You should just believe. What did he say? Touch it. Look. Truth is not afraid to be examined. God's word has existed for thousands of years, being tried to be sniped at, picked apart for thousands of years, and has never failed. And as we looked over these last few weeks, that time and time again, with any reasonable amount of time of sitting there and looking at the science, looking at history, you end up finding yourself going, oh my gosh, it, it means exactly what it says, and it's true. So even in a small moment like this, good question. Why is it, does it seem, that here it says 24,000, and in Corinthians, you get, this, you get this statement. Let me actually read for you what it said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to read verse 7 and 8, because people look at a lot of times they'll take one verse and that's part of the problem. It says, do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did and in one day, 23,000 fell. So some people will look at that and they go, here's the contradiction. This part is talking about what you just read in Numbers chapter 29, and one said 24,000, one said 23,000, contradiction. Okay, let's back up and just answer this real quick. One, it said 23,000 in one day. Some take this view. They say, Corinthians said 23,000 fell in one day. Numbers told you the total amount, which was 1,000 plus. I'll, I'll tell you, eh, could be. Or if I take just verse 7 with it, this is what I lean towards. It's 1 Corinthians chapter, eight verse, or verse, chapter 10, verse 8, is referring to Exodus 32, the golden calf incident, which, by the way, when you read in Exodus chapter 32, never gave you a number for how many died. 
And when you put verse 7 with it, the act that it's talking about is that they were eating and drinking and rose up to play. It uses the same language from Exodus. And so what you're actually finding out in 1 Corinthians 10 is not some scripture discrepancy, is that it became the error of thinking that Corinthians was talking about numbers when Corinthians is talking about Exodus, which never gave you a number. So that's what I lean towards. All that to say, don't let moments like this where someone say, well, you know the Bible's full of contradictions. Oh, name me one. Well, in Numbers it says 23, and in Corinthians it says 24. Opposite way. I got this backwards. I have an answer for that. One says 23 in one day, so that's not a contradiction. And actually, I think you're talking about a misreference here, that you thought it was referencing Numbers, it's referencing Exodus. Either way, either way, guys, it, it's... I lean towards the second one, but again, I don't know what has, man, and I'm starting to, I know the gray is setting in, but I don't want to be that guy, and yeah, I might have leaned into it a little bit. I know it's not called Tiki Talk. <laughs> so I, I saw some eyes last week. I don't actually think that. I might be leaning into it, but something has happened, and honestly, I, I believe it is with the, the way we ingest information now. And I'll watch some of these videos on TikTok and I'll see these people set up their straw men like they would here with Chronicle or Corinthians and Numbers and then destroy their straw men and they, they act like asking a question is some grand statement of faith destruction. I'm like, guys, this is no different. This process of asking a question to try and destroy someone's worldview goes, I don't know, all the way back to when the serpent said, did God really say it's the same tactic. It's not new. Unfortunately, we as people keep falling for it. The enemy asks these questions and we think like, I don't know. Maybe what should have happened is gone, wait a second, what did God say? Oh wait, that God didn't even say what you're saying he said. So many times you're going to find out when these questions get answered and they destroy your faith and go, wait a second, you started off saying God said something that he didn't say. Maybe we should actually just go and, what does the word say? Because the greatest commentary on scripture is? Well done. Verse 10. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel. Guys, this is, this is something awesome that happens right here. But I hope you guys caught what just what happened for this man, a human man. God goes, that is exactly what I would have done. That here's this guy that God goes, Moses, you saw what Phineas did? He did what my zeal, that is exactly what I would have done. Exodus chapter 34, 14. God says, you should not worship another God. For the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. I love how Isaiah 59 puts this. It says, He put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. I'm sorry, I know my superhero mindset kicks in and I see, here's God saying, man, these people, they need a savior. And he puts on his breastplate of righteousness, put on his helmet, he's clad with vengeance and flapping in the wind is his cloak of zeal. It just sounds awesome. And God looks at Phineas and goes, that is awesome. 
Verse 12, therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. So what we see here is, is again, Aaron was the high priest. His son Eliezer has become high priest. And God says, Phineas did such an awesome job. I, I want the line to keep going through him. The question I need to ask you guys this morning. When, when people see your actions, does it look like God? Can God look at your life and go, that's exactly what I would have done? Clothed in my zeal. That is awesome. Verse 14, now the name of the Israelite who was killed was killed with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, the leader of the father's house among the Simeonites. Uh, uh, and the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby. No, not Bill. Different spelling there. The daughter of Zer. He was the head of the people of the father's house in Midian. So this woman was a, so even when you understand what's happening. So this was a prominent Midianite girl. Her dad is head of the Midianites and she found herself with the Simeonite and said, hey, let's go right into the temple. Let's go right into the tabernacle. Let's go right to the door of the tabernacle and we're going to worship Baal and join to Baal right there on that floor. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, harass the Midianites and attack them for they harass you with their schemes by which they seduced you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of the leader of the Midianite, Midian, their sister who was killed in the day of the plague because of Peor. And again, guys, that this whole thing took place as Balaam was standing there on that Mount of Peor, that just on that mountaintop is the temple to Baal. And as he walked away, he went, I know what to do. I'll convince. I, I have no power against these people because God's so consistent to his word. So here's what I'll do. I will get them to trade the faithful promises of their God for counterfeit worship of Baal. And they engaged in these practices and they didn't stay in the bedroom and went right to the place of worship to shove it in their face. To say this is how we're going to live now. And Phineas, clothed in the zeal of his God and zealous for his God, put an end to it. All to give the image that God would say that when I see the offense raised up on a pole, my wrath passes over. Because we can't serve two masters, including ourselves. We cannot serve our flesh and God, you're going to hate one and love the other. And to love self is to hate God. And that is not to say that you have no value. I am to say that you have the highest worth and value, that of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is your promise and set value. Don't trade it for counterfeit. To eat the thing that tastes like sweet bread. But it's a lie because it's going to drop in your gut like a rock. And the last thing we need to ask ourselves, and guys, I, I, we need to ask ourselves the same thing every day, is do I have the zeal of God? Do, do the things that excite God excite me? And what is it that excites God? 
It was the joy that was set before him to endure the cross. See, Phineas is an awesome picture of God's zeal. But here's the thing you're going to see throughout Scripture. is that God is going to pour out his vengeance in the soon coming days. When this world is ending, when he is putting an end to it by righteous judgment. But it's when the people see those who call themselves by his name are willing to die to lay down their lives to show that love that he says, by how you love each other, that's how they're going to know that you are truly a follower of Christ. That it is the love of Christ that draws them and it is that thing that excites God to show that love. So does it excite us to do the same thing, to put on that cloak of zeal and to zealously say, I will live down, lay down my life for those who hate me? Because it's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. And it is not loving to let someone live a sinful life in a lie. But instead to stand before and say, that path you're on, that life you're choosing, it causes division, destruction, and death. But there's a God who's overcome all of that and he loves you. So guys, with that, let's end this morning. God, we thank you for this time in your word. Lord, we thank you for who you have shown yourself to be. That Yes, God, you are a God of justice, but you're also the God of mercy. And that you solved both of those, your judgment, your justice, and your mercy at the cross. And in doing so, set the value for every person in this room that every person would know that you love them so much that you gave your life for them, that you did not come to condemn the world, but through your son, this world might be saved. And God, not by coercion, not by threat, but the loving, gracious offer of eternal life to offer us the choice to live by every word that comes from you. Lord, will we not in our self-worship choose the counterfeit deals of the devil. But Lord, know that you will satisfy every bit of the needing of our soul. In your son's name, amen. The Cover to Cover series is part of No Mere Mortal. The No Mere Mortal ethos derives from the biblically grounded and inspired work of C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory. You can find more No Mere Mortal content, including the Cover to Cover series, on our website at nomeremortal.org. Follow us on Twitter, Truth, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and most major podcasting services. Subscribe, follow, like, comment, leave a review, and share. The music you've heard has been provided by Sicko. That's C-I-K-K-0. And you can find him at YouTube at Sicko's Beat Suck 797. My name is Bryce, and you are no mere mortal.